Hey guys, welcome to the shit show of my 20s. I'm so excited that you guys are here. My name's Sophia. I started this podcast in the beginning of April and I got furloughed at the end of March. And quite honestly, it was so hard for me to comprehend and deal with that. I was like, I have two choices right now. I can start the podcast that I've always wanted to start or I can let this really deter me and start emotional eating and just sit on the couch and do nothing. And I decided to go with the first choice. And I'm so glad that I did because I've got to meet so many inspiring people from all over the world. And I hope that you guys see yourselves in some of these stories because I've just been having so much fun. This has been lighting me up so much. And I'm really glad that I put myself out there and decided to start it. You know, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to start it. And I'm so glad that I just did that. And I know as an introvert, it's been pretty hard to like put myself out there, talk in front of a camera, talk to all these people I don't know. But I feel like this has been such a growing experience for me. And I feel like I need to share that with you guys because maybe there's something in your life that excites you but kind of scares you at the same time. And maybe it's time to step into that. I loved chatting with Katie. We talked about her journey and what it was like to grow up with only one ear, go through reconstructive surgery, and then we talked about that identity shift from being a therapist to becoming a coach, what it's like to host retreats, and so much more. So let's get started. And anywhere you want to go, you just start. okay. Let's just talk and okay. go from there. All right. Awesome. So thank you so much, Katie, for joining me. I'm really looking forward to know more about you. I'd love to start at the beginning. Tell me what your stories look like so far and how did you get to the place you are today? Yeah. All right. Great question. Um, There's a lot of life to cover in that. So I'll try to condense it as fast as I can. Um, I don't know. You know, I grew up a little weird. I think a lot of us can say that where we feel like maybe we didn't fit in or we felt like we were different. Um, Sometimes you hear people say that they kind of felt like they were an old soul from a really early age. And I'm definitely one of those weird people that was like that. Um, And then I think it was kind of exacerbated by this, this thing of being born without an ear. So I was actually born without an ear. Um, It's called microtia. It's a weird developmental outcome. Not many people end up with it, but um, my parents decided to put me through reconstructive surgery from about um, the time I was born until eight years old. And it was weird, you know, looking back on it all. um, What a crazy experience to go through as a kid, but my parents and their attitude about it was something different. And so in hindsight, to me, what was so important about this, these eight years and these eight reconstructive surgeries was that my parents acted like it was, you know, it was okay. And they, they treated it as a way to build character. They treated it as a way to learn to be resilient in the face of adversity. Um, And so, you know, doing things like going to school and people are staring at you because you've got this big thing on your, this big bandage on your head or your ear looks different and, and learning to be able to feel comfortable enough in your own skin to stop and say, you know, are you staring at my ear? Would you like me to tell you? And so instead of it becoming this point of feeling insecure and, 
and, and having a conflicting conversation, I tried really hard to, to feel comfortable and have good conversation around it. And it wasn't easy. And, you know, I, as a kid, I definitely wish I had a, two normal ears to this day. I wonder what that would be like. Um, but I'm thankful for it. I think we can find gratitude in just about anything. So fast forward, I was always a little more sensitive, um, was a little more communicative, because I think when you go through things like that, you kind of have to be, you know? Um, and then, weirdly enough, when I was 17, I was paralyzed from my waist down from a really rare neurological disorder called transverse myelitis. And transverse myelitis can happen to people because they could have a virus in their spinal cord, or some people get um, vaccinated and then it triggers an autoimmune response, or there's a lot of different ways you can get this, but mine was what's autoimmune, or my body just attacked itself. And so it attacked my spinal cord, and I ended up paralyzed from my waist down, um, which was terrifying. It took about three days for it to sink in. I had no idea what was going on. Um, and the only reason I was terrified was because of the pain and discomfort and the shift in my ability to function normally. But oddly enough, you kind of were forced into this moment by moment way of living, um, very present centered way of living. So yeah, occasionally you could have a fear of the future and the unknown of it, which is normal. But, um, but by and large, you're really just taking it moment by moment because you have nothing else to do. So I dealt with this transverse myelitis for a really long time um, and got physically better, you know, whatever that word means. It's, it's a loose word. Got physically better after about a year and a half. But unfortunately, transverse myelitis really affects your mind. Um, and I ended up with very debilitating depression. Um, and I ended up really suicidal for a really long time. So now here I am physically doing better, you know, and, and I'm still dealing with pain a lot, but I can move, and I can go to the bathroom and I can function on my own, which is great. But my mind, excuse my language, is completely fucking me. Like, it's like, no, you know, it's a beast. It's just this beast coming after me all the time. Um, you don't want to live. I couldn't get out of bed, couldn't do anything. And so I really um, catapulted myself into the field of psychology and mental health and mind-body wellness, whether that was through working with, you know, the best hospital, um, Johns Hopkins, or working with amazing practitioners, whether they were holistic energy workers or acupuncturists or functional doctors or, or therapists or psychics and um, really just kind of experiencing whatever the world had out there because I was grabbing at straws to be okay. And I realized that the only way I was going to be okay is if I helped myself, like literally went inward and helped myself. And so here I am, you know, getting my bachelor's of science in psychology and I'm ended up um, doing that for quite some time, much longer than most people do. <laughs> Um, ended up jumping around through colleges because I was balancing this mind-body issue and balancing having a life, you know. Um, I'm a very outgoing person. I love to socialize. I love to be with people. I love to have a good time. So um, what a great coping skill, drinking and all of that was during my 20s. Um, 
which I think gave me a lot of life experience through gaining my education and kind of navigating myself as well. So fast forward, um, I ended up going to do research at Johns Hopkins um, in between my bachelor's and trying to figure out what else I wanted to do. Um, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. I thought I wanted to do research. And then as I was doing research and loved it and I was good at it, I realized how badly I wanted to work one-on-one -on -one with people and give them all of this information that I had learned. So after, you know, kind of some time, I went back to school and I got my master's in mental health counseling because I didn't want to get my PhD because I have commitment issues. Um, so I was like, oh, five years is way too long. I was like, I'll do two years. <laughs> And, um, and in essence, because I didn't think I would really need my PhD, my background's in research already anyways. So, so really realizing like how much we just need people to see that we're credible to work with them is often what our, you know, our degrees are. It's like, hey, look, I did, I did the time, take me seriously, right? So I did all of this stuff and I get out of my master's program and I open my private practice to be a, an, um, a licensed therapist. And I'm seeing um, clients and I had gotten a whole bunch of trainings and certifications in trauma, in um, EMDR, which is a trauma training, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical pay. I did all of these trainings and nutrition and mindfulness and, and I'm working with my clients one-on-one -on -one and I love it, but I also realize this is not for me. So all of these years, all of this hard work, and I come home one day and I'm like, holy fuck, what do I do? <laughs> I can't do this. Um, I love it, but I, and I might, be I might be good at it, but I don't, but I can't do this. I couldn't do it. It was taking too much of a tool on me. Um, and it wasn't completely aligning with what, what something inside of me was saying, eh, this is what you should be doing. No, I didn't know what the, this is what you should be doing was, but I knew that if I didn't, if I didn't cut the cord quick, that I wasn't going to pivot. And then I'd be stuck in my private practice, unhealthy, unhappy, and probably not a good therapist to my clients because how good of a therapist are you when you're not happy, you know? So I'm a firm believer in practicing uh, what I preach. So I went back to the drawing board and I became the impact coach. And I started the impact retreat. And in essence, it is um, the, the main part of my program is I developed a three-day program that helps get people really, really fast personal and professional transformation and growth. It helps them figure out their purpose. It helps them resolve past issues so you can learn about yourself and learn about how you can manage things so that once we can resolve these past issues and you've got that skill set, you have a way of attacking what you're doing now to be your best self. So we just take you and we make you even better, you know, and, and we help you reach this untapped potential because we're not supposed to do it alone. Like, like there's billions of people on this planet. If we were supposed to be doing it alone, this, it would make no sense, you know? So like we need to use each other to be objective. Like I work with coaches and therapists and, and business consultants to say, Hey, help me see my life differently. Help me see my business differently because, because we're usually pretty, you know, tunnel visioned in a lot of ways. And even those of us that have practiced over the years to build our awareness, we still get pigeonholed a little bit and we need someone to give us a, 
kick in the ass, so to speak. So that's what I do. And then these retreats are these luxury wellness retreats I do um, that incorporate these impact coaching aspects and mindfulness aspects into the actual travel experience. Um, I've traveled my entire life extensively. I love really great travel. And I realize a lot of people don't even know like how to put it together or where to go, or they have this, this dream and they don't know how to make the dream a reality in terms of traveling. So that's kind of where I come in. I, I curate these conscious, um, you know, mindful experiences um, and they're all different, but they all kind of revolve around food and they all revolve around exploring and relaxing and connecting and, um, and building awareness so that when you get home from your vacation, you don't need a vacation from your vacation and that you can kind of hit the ground running in, an, in a new and kind of innovative way. So that is my very long-winded <laughs> response to your question. Awesome. And what was that like transitioning from being a therapist to being a coach? Awful. <laughs> no bullshit. It was awful. But, but it was what was needed. Um, it was awful because, you know, words mean different things to us right? So when you hear the word coach or therapist, it's going to mean one thing to you. And when I hear them, they're going to mean something different to me, right? And so working so hard to be a licensed therapist and then going from a licensed therapist to a coach, I almost, and this is not to belittle anyone, but just speaking of my honest experience, I almost felt as though I was demoting myself um, because Anyone can put the name coach, life coach on their door. All right. Um, you can't put licensed therapist on your door unless you've gone through some rigorous training. Now, that's not to say that life coaches out there haven't been through that. They probably have, but, but people need to learn to read people's credentials before they go to work with them, especially in this field, because someone can say one thing and obliterate your life. So um, the transition was hard. And then figuring out how to visualize it so that I could actually step into it. Because that's a lot of what we need to do in life. A lot of us don't know how to visualize what we want, how to create what we want in our mind's eye, in that third eye, in order to be able to step into it. Because just like if you got into the car, and you turn it on and you started driving, but you didn't have a destination, you're just gonna keep driving. And it's not to say you won't like certain things and it's not to say you can't find a destination to stop at. But if you got in the car and you know where you're going, chances are you're gonna get there, right? So, so for me, it was reconfiguring what this vision looked like and then stepping into a brand, you know? Um, because now my business has become more of a brand than if I was to be in my private practice as a therapist. I would just be a licensed therapist in private practice. I mean, it's no brainer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, and I think what's cool about that is it opens this, it opens the door to so much creativity, you know, the, you know, the sky's the limit here. So that's, that was a pretty cool part of the transition as difficult as it was. Mm -hmm. And how'd you know that you wanted to become a coach? 
So I knew I still wanted to use my gifts and my education. Um, and being a coach gives me more freedom. Um, being a coach makes it so that I'm working with somewhat of a different clientele. And being a coach means I get to coach. So I actually get to be like, you know, here's a more thoughtful way of navigating this. Or I get to be your cheerleader in helping you figure things out in a very proactive, um, actionable way. You know, so instead of just hanging out, and I'm not saying that this is all therapy. A therapy can be very actionable too. It should be. But, but as a coach, I, I get to dig deep in there in every facet of your life. And not only that, but, but you know, we kind of get to talk about everything and we get to be a little more personal too, which I find that my clients truly enjoy. And all of the interviews I've done or testimonials I've done, um, the one, the one common theme is that working with Katie is like working with your chill friend. And I'm like, all right, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Whereas I think when I was a therapist, I'm not sure my clients would have said that. <laughs> so yeah. So, you know, that's, that's it. And how'd you come up with the term, the impact coach? Well, as I mentioned a second ago, I had to step into a brand. Um, and nowadays we all should be branding. Like you should, you should realize as a person, you have a brand and your brand is your persona, right? And hopefully your persona is pretty genuine. You know, hopefully your brand is pretty genuine. Um, but the beauty about having a brand is, is we get to kind of take this professional hat off much more easily. And so developing a brand, you kind of have to come up with your, your own stuff. And because I didn't want to be a life coach, even though I am, I am a life coach. Um, um, it was, it was, I'm an impact coach um, because I make an impact and you make an impact and the work that you do on yourself makes an impact and in turn makes an impact on the people around you, which makes an impact on the world around you. And all of the research, so I, I started doing research about 15 years ago into purpose. That's how I ended up uh, getting hired at Johns Hopkins was to do research and purpose in life specifically because I, um, was, I was on to something, so to speak. And <clears throat> so all of the research I have found over the years, there's, there's one thing that gives us purpose and it's serving others. That's it. You know, so when I went into this, I thought it would be religion and kids. I was sure. I was like, all right, hands down, I need to have a baby and I need to be religious and that's going to make this life make sense and I know I'm going to be here and that'll be my purpose. And so the days I don't want to get up, I'll get up because I've got a kid or because my religion tells me to, right? No, that does not work uh, because your religion's not going to be enough and your kids are going to grow up. And they're not, you know, they're going to come and go and, and you're your own person, right? And so we found that it was being altruistic. It was, in fact, serving others. And so when we think about serving others, it's an impact. We're making an impact. And so that's what my business is. I make an impact. But the goal is to get you to realize your purpose. And the goal is to get you to make your impact because the healthier you are, 
the healthier the people around you will be. And so I can't change the world. You know, I would love to, I would love to make us all better people. I mean, I'd give anything to do that. Um, but I can't, I'm not Gandhi. I'm not this, that's not going to happen. And so we have to realize if we can just change one life towards and, and, and towards the better, right. Just for a positive impact. That's it. That's it. That's the name of the game. Um, and for me, that gives me more than enough to wake up every day. So that's where the impact coach comes from. And the impact retreat comes from is that that's what, that's the name of the game. You know, we're making an impact. And how do you help people find their purpose? Help them become familiar with themselves. We're on autopilot and whether, whether we are or aren't, because a lot of us aren't on autopilot, but even those of us that are, are on autopilot, unless you've worked with someone, it's really hard to become familiar with yourself. You know, we run these tapes over and over in our head that have been constructed by number of things over your lifetime. And it takes a lot of work to get in there and reconfigure those tapes, reconfigure that narrative that you're running in your head. Um, it's, it's actually pretty simple. But why I say it takes a lot of work is, is it's not easy to do on your own. And so to reach out to someone to help you is a considerable amount of work that we're not used to doing, you know? So for those people that do reach out for that help, um, they're, they're, they're saying that I'm ready to step into myself. And maybe they already have stepped into themselves a bit and maybe they want to do it a bit more. You know, maybe they, they recognize who they are at that point, but they want to be even better. So, so I help people become familiar with themselves and all of yourself. I think a lot of us lose this concept that we were kids first and foremost. You know, I'm sitting here in front of you today and I, and I have the exterior of an, of an adult because I've aged to look that way. But, but first and foremost, I'm a child inside and I need to take care of that child. And that's the core of who we are. You know, so if we can even become familiar, if we be, can become familiar with that part of ourselves, um, then we can start to slowly understand our purpose. And, and I want to be clear about something that's gotten lost recently in conversation. Nowadays, everyone feels like they need to be a coach or a therapist or a pastor or something to help people. But I love the guy that does my heating and cooling. I don't know what I would do. I'm going to move for a second. I don't know what I would do without him. Um, I would be miserable in my house without my heating and cooling guy. And he's serving people, whether he realizes it or not, he's serving us in a really great way. And if people became more mindful that we can serve each other in so many ways, um, I think, I think we would start to tap into our purpose much more easily. So not to say this in like some weird way, but like, I love my barista. We have a great relationship. Um, Zach, he's been my barista for years and thank you, Zach. Like, what would I do without you? And I'm so appreciative of that. And maybe that's not enough purpose for Zach, but I know that Zach loves his job. And I know one of the reasons he loves his job 
is because of his regulars that he gets to conversate with and be with. And, and when I say things to him, like, thanks Zach, you really made my day the other morning. You know, I had a really rough day in the afternoon, but I thought about like that joke that you said and that's it, you know? So if we stop looking for something massive, you know, um, I think a lot of us could start to tap into our purpose more easily, but it's becoming familiar with yourself. And where do you host your retreats at? And how do you come up with the retreats? What's it like hosting an event? <clears throat> um, so I came up with the retreats because I've been on my own. You know, I went on retreats in the past. And like I mentioned, I've traveled the majority of my life, like a lot. Um, and I kind of just thought, well, maybe I, I, I used to have some people reach out to me wanting to travel with me. And I thought, yeah, sure. Come on. You know? Um, so then I thought, well, why don't I just marry these things? And, and from a business standpoint, you should always be asking yourself, what is um, something that you can add to your business to use as um, leverage for marketing? Right. So I had to ask myself, all right, well, I'm a life coach or an impact coach. And, um, and I have these three to five day intensives and I do typical life coaching, you know, where, where I just work with people one-on-one -on, -one on the phone or zoom for an hour, 90 minutes. Right. So I was like, well, what's something that I can throw in here that would, you know, garner some attraction to my business and attract kind of the clientele I'm looking for, you know? So you always have to be thinking about how do you niche yourself? And we do that in, in ways of offering services. Um, and then the, the, budget, you know, like the financial structure around our services, this weeds out a lot of our clientele. So I was like, Ooh, I'm going to do luxury wellness retreats. So I was like, what a great, um, you know, service to offer that I would enjoy and I can leverage to garner more attention to my business and my services. So I love them. Um, they're really low key. I want to say, um, so even though there's a lot of luxury component to it, um, I'm a pretty low key person. So I like things to have a nice mixture of going and relaxing. Um, there's a lot of options in all of the retreats in terms of, do you want to participate in daily yoga and meditation, cooking classes, um, local exploration, um, things of that nature. And then every location kind of has a theme because of what the location lends itself to. So whether it's in Marrakesh or Italy, so Marrakesh is, is basically cultural exploration, right? Cause like that's the landscape. It's very, um, rich with, with culture and, and, um, things that a lot of us are not experienced with unless we've traveled to Africa or Morocco. So we were doing that in Italy is like food and wine. Cause I'm a huge food and wine person. Um, and like, what's, what's a vacation without that. So, and then, um, you know, doing things like relaxing and renewing for four days. Um, and, and so because of the pandemic, I've had to postpone everything and I'm curating some stateside retreats. So looking at doing uh, some dude ranches out in Montana or Wyoming, which would be cool. Um, maybe Palm Springs and Joshua tree um, doing upstate New York and Hudson Valley. So, so things like that. So that's what, that's what we're up to. 
And do you invite speakers to come in as well? Is it all, do you lead the whole thing? Do you do workshops? Yeah, so I'm leading it. And as of now, because this is going to evolve soon, um, but I'm, I lead them and then I always have a co-host. So I, my co-hosts have some, some variety to them, but they're usually the, the yoga instructor. Um, I'm not yoga certified and I've got some physical limitations. So I don't know how great of a yoga instructor I would be, um, but it's always great to have someone co-hosting. You shouldn't, like I said earlier, you really shouldn't do anything alone. Um, it's not conducive. So we're much better. Uh, the more, the more of us, the better we are. So, um, so yeah, they're, so they're usually co-hosted and that person, um, contributes whatever their specialty is. And, and in the future, we look to bring in guests, um, especially stateside, that'll be something easy to do where potentially our guests will be contributors as well, which would be cool. Um, and that's something that happens in general anyways. I think all of us have something to contribute. I mean, that's how we really learn. You know, I think a lot of us think that education is reading a book, but the book was written by someone. So like the best way to learn is through each other. Um, so that's what happens in terms of, you know, who's leading them and, and what things happen on them. And usually there's about two workshops per retreat, if not more. And what is something that's lighting you up right now? My business is in the process of gaining clarity and we all ebb and flow through this. And so all of our businesses, whether they're massive conglomerations or not, um, are following someone in their personal path. Um, and I'm really excited. I'm really lit up about the fact that my business has existed long enough now that I'm gaining more clarity around it, which means it'll just catalyze it more, you know, forward more so. And, and, you know, you kind of, it's an interesting moment in time where you slow down to speed up. Um, so I'm kind of just like hanging out, waiting for these bits and pieces to be developed um, like they're in motion, but I, but now I have to sit back and like, let it happen. And that's a really interesting place to be. So that's what's lighting me up right now. That and, um, little fires everywhere. Is that what it's called? Little fires everywhere on HBO. I like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> and what is something that most people don't know about you? Oh, I'm going to be really honest because I'm just an awkwardly honest person. Um, I struggle a lot. And what I do is my purpose. And if I didn't do what I do in terms of helping people, being an impact coach, a life coach, I wouldn't be okay. And I don't, I don't think most people know that about me. I mean, it makes me emotional. Um, yeah, life, life um, has been interesting. And I'm really grateful for it. But it's not easy. 
you know. Um, yeah. And what's the biggest challenge you've had to overcome and what helped you through it? I think having to let go of expectations in life in terms of being married by 25 with two kids and this job and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Um, which is weird, right? Cause like I was paralyzed and all this stuff, but, but that was probably the hardest was to kind of have everything pulled out from underneath you and then, and not, and then you're not standing, you know, like you're just like flat out and to pick yourself back up. And because you realize that nothing's ever going to be the way that you plan for it to be, or you'd like it to be, or, you know, um, life just, it happens to you while you're busy making plans. And I think realizing your strength, my, realizing my own internal strength that I had gotten through all of these other things. So why wouldn't I be able to get through this? Um, was what helped me get through it. And then, and then doing it, so knowing that wasn't going to be easy, right? Having that internal conversation with myself, this isn't going to be easy, but you have a choice. You can either go left into the darkness where you're going to take the same amount of energy to live a life that you don't want to live, or you can go right into the light and you're going to take the same amount of energy to work towards the life you do want to live and just start putting the action into motion to get where you want to be. because. If you're, if you're not happy with where you are in life, that means you're not taking action that's, that's best for you. I mean, it, it sounds so simple, but that's it. So, so it's instead of like sitting around and thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, and just digging the hole and stirring the pot and, you know, it's, it's let me do one thing that will actually be good for me. Because even if we do one thing and it ends up it wasn't good for us, then we learned from it, which is still good for us, right? Then we say, oh, I, didn't, I don't want to do that then. And sometimes we learn just as much from what we don't want than what we do want. That shapes us even more so, right? And so I think just realizing that, shit, my, <laughs> I wanted my life to look this way and it's never going to look that way. It's just not even remotely possible. And then being okay with it. And then making the choice to make it even better. You know? And what were your 20s like? Um, I told you, they were a shit show. They were a total shit show. If I told you my what happened to me in my 20s, I don't even think people would believe it. I drank too much. I partied all the time. I couldn't take school seriously. I sold weed. I, you know, was in love with someone that wasn't in love with me, who I would stalk at his work. And I mean, I was all over the place, man. I was just wild. Um, I traveled, you know, I... I transferred to three different colleges I um they were crazy and they were formative I mean god were they formative and and if I could go back I would (laughs) (laughs) oh my god your 20s are the best you know and and they're hard and they're murky and you think you know a lot when you're 22 or 23 and then you're 26 and you're like 
what did I know? You know? <laughs> and then you think you know a lot when you're 26 and you turn 30 and you're just like, oh my God. Wow. Okay. Um, but they're formative because Someone once told me, if you can't figure your shit out before you're 30, you're going to have a really hard time once you turn 30. Um, and I think, I think that helped me live it up. I think it made me say, ooh, all right, like, let's go all out here. And then at the same time, I think it made me say, all right, I need to get my shit together. Um, so with the partying, you know, with the yin came the yang. Um, I, sl- I slowly was like, all right, well, I can't function like this. So... <laughs> So maybe we should go to the gym. So let's, you know, not party too much so that I can make it to the gym next day. Right. And, and I just kind of started building on that. Um, and it's a choice. It's a choice, but my God, they were good. I miss them. Yeah. And what advice would you give your 20 year old self? <sighs> that cliche. You know, if only I knew then what I know now. Um, A girlfriend of mine sent me a picture of us yesterday. She sent it to me. She went home to her parents' house, so she was looking through. And I was like, oh, my God, that was so long ago. And um, I said that to her. I was like, if only we knew, you know, then what we know now. Um, Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares. They are way more preoccupied with themselves than they are you. So don't worry about what other people think because they don't care. They're only comparing you to themselves and it's bullshit. So don't worry about anyone else. Live for yourself, only yourself. You know, strip away what society has dictated. Strip away what your parents have dictated. And if you waved a magic wand and you you really want to put your hand out there and actually do it because it makes you feel like a kid, you know, if you wave your magic wand and you say to yourself, how do I want to live my life? And what do I want my life to live? Go do it. Go do it. Don't stop for anyone. Don't apologize for anything, but live, you know, um, live kindly, live, live compassionately. You know, don't hurt people. Don't hurt yourself. Go out there, have fun, whatever that means, but, but be mindful of it, you know? Um, but, but don't give a fuck. Like, do whatever you want. Like, who cares? No one's going to, even if someone writes a book about you, or even if you want to be a politician, like, look at our president. doesn't matter anymore. Like, you can literally do whatever you want to do. So do it, but do what's best for you, right? Not your parents, not society, not your boyfriend, not your friends, not for money. None of that shit matters at the end of the day. Just be you. And if you don't know who you are, don't freak out about it, because we never figure it out. We just get more comfortable with realizing we don't know who we are and we get more comfortable with, with realizing what we want and what we need. And that's really it. So yeah, I'd say don't give a fuck and be yourself. (laughs) A little harsh, but I am. So be it. Are there any questions I, you wish I would have asked you? No, no. And I feel like I elaborated too much on every single one. So (laughs) (laughs) And where can people connect with you? Oh, yeah. So check me out at um, katiesandler.com. Probably better to go to my Instagram, the impact coach, um, the impact 
coach, just as it sounds. And if you want to email me, it's impact at katiesandler.com. So pretty easy. And then, uh, yeah, otherwise, I guess. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.